Hello, friend. Welcome to the Watery Desho podcast. We are so happy to have the pleasure of your company. If this is your first time listening, sit back, relax. We hope you enjoy. If you are coming back because you enjoy our content and you'd like to support us, you can go to our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Desho. We've got all kinds of fun rewards and bonus content like early access, Discord roles, additional audio and video content, all in three budget-friendly tiers. If you're not able to support us financially, no biggie. We totally understand. If you'd like to help us out uh, for free, you can always give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, which helps our discoverability. You can follow us on SoundCloud, on Twitter, at WaterWeDesho. You can always send us an email at WaterWeDesho at gmail.com if you want to correspond with us. We may not get to read every correspondence on the show, but I can promise you that we do read and try to respond to every single one, because we do love our community, which we hope you'll be a part of. Thank you for your kind attention, friend, and without further ado, let's get to the show. Good evening, ladies, gentlemen, MBs. Welcome to Wari Desho's Stream of Thought, Season 6. We're actually still doing this. We've not been forced off the air by YouTube yet for nefarious reasons. Although I'm sure we'll come up with some in the progress of this particular, you know, course of anime we're going to be covering today. I am Shaden, and joining me, you know, from across the pond, but always close to my heart, is the Soul Doctor. Good day, Shaden. Today we're going to talk about our greatest cultural export, Vikings. That applies to neither of they're us. From, <laughs> they're from our country, you know, mate. Right? Vikings. Have you been reading uh, history from Wikipedia again by any chance there, Doc? <laughs> uh, you caught me. You caught me. Bit sketchy. Just Damn. Gonna, just going to say. Just going to say. Anyway, yeah. yes, uh, we are indeed back uh, for another full core of anime. This is going to be Vinland Saga, which you all voted on. Uh, thank you all again, everyone who uh, actually took the time to vote for that particular show uh, and all the others as well in our poll. But yes, Vinland Saga is what we'll be covering for the next 24 or so episodes, I believe. So for the next six months. My oh my. Ooh, it's going to be quite the voyage. <laughs> going to be quite the voyage. Um, we yes. do, before we get into Vinland Saga, have a bit of housekeeping to do, firstly. Though. Yeah. Should we say this now or should we say this after? I can't decide. I'm, the VOD people might want us to get out of the way now, but I don't know if uh, we should wait for more people to come in to the live. I'm, I'm torn. What do you think? Well... I think we'll do it now because we also need to cover okay. the, Saren, the final Zaren Survive polls as well. Uh, oh, so, <laughs> that's right. Okay. Yes, we do Fair. need to. Uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, so a couple of quick things. First off, you might be thinking to yourself, my God, uh, Shane's room is like in panscopic vision or some nonsense. Uh, and my voicemails will possibly sound different. So, quick story behind that I've actually recently invested in a brand new webcam. It's now 1080p. I am in HD. Unfortunately yep. for, you know, everyone who might be watching, you now get to see uh, my wonderful Chrome Dome in 1080p. 
Uh, I also now have a brand new Blue Yeti microphone. Uh, both of these quite expensive, but I thought, you know, it's about time I invest in the podcast. Sadly, I chose to spend the Thank money you. on that as opposed to a hair transplant and a personality transplant as well. But they don't Stop go as, they don't go quite as cheap, I'm afraid. So you're going to have to put up with me now being in glorious Stop HD uh, from here I on want out. All, I want all 60 frames per second of the head of the beer of the ketchup <laughs> bottle. The ketchup bottle is uh, in absentia today, I'm afraid. It's not clocked in. But it will be replaced at some point. Very, very unfortunate indeed. So yeah, uh, I've invested, uh, and I'm pleased to report that, you know, once I actually, because I'm currently buying this very house I live in at the moment, would you believe, oh my god, uh, once that actually has then gone through, um, and I have full possession of it, I'll be revamping the uh, place into a proper stream setup, so... I'm afraid you won't get to see much of my room for much longer, which is probably a blessing, actually. So uh, en- enjoy that. Enjoy that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, big things happening over here for me personally right now. So uh, keep you know keep an eye out for all that. But that's just me. We need to talk about the Wired podcast. So, Doc, do you want to lead in on what we're now going to be doing going forward? Yeah. So, okay. Well, I'll just... Rather than doing the thing my wife hates and prefacing and prefacing and prefacing, <laughs> I'm just going to get it out there. Watery Death Show now has a Patreon, which you could probably have. You've probably already seen if you're paying attention to the scroll. Uh, Patreon.com slash Watery Death Show. Mm-hmm. Um, how to spell it is in the, the bottom. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, we have done this for a long time without yeah. anything like this. And uh, I guess the thinking behind doing it was that we we really, really like doing the podcast and video content, and there's, like, more things that we wanted to do, but also we wanted to be able to do things like invest in better post-production software for the audio side of things, maybe be able to pay for hosting, just try to like be able to generate some revenue to improve the show and improve the circumstances around the show also. Mm-hmm. But this will enable us, I think, to do... Uh, we're going to offer like a lot more stuff, and we want to keep it pretty like budget-friendly. Um, if you go, you'll see that we have three tiers of reward, mm-hmm. uh, two, three, and five dollars. That's right. Um, I... I would have done a $1 tier, but fucking Patreon takes so much of a bite out of transactions that would just be <laughs> like barely any money. Yeah. <laughs> so we, uh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Doc did unfortunately shout me down on the suggestion that we put in a $5,000 uh, Patreon tier. Um, no actual <laughs> tangible benefits to it, but I thought I'd just put it in there for giggles, but he actually did, uh, you know, <laughs> decline me on that. So, yeah, we are indeed doing two, three, and $5 uh, tiers at the moment. We would fly you to Manchester to do the show live. <laughs> Tier no one would ever subscribe. Well, I was going to say for 5000 you could do that easily, actually. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah. So, we got uh, 2 3 $5. Uh, and they all include uh, Discord benefits. We're, we're going to have a patron-only Discord server mm-hmm. that we will hang out in uh, pretty frequently mm-hmm. via um, via voice and text. Um and we've got whoops i have now whoops 
Sorry about that. I pushed a button I shouldn't have done. Stop mashing so, buttons, Doc. This will do you I know. both Doc. in this particular arena and also in fighting games. Mashing I was going to get you nowhere. Fighting game. <laughs> the top strategy is don't press buttons. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So you've got those Discord uh, membership benefits um, on the $2 tier. And the $3 tier and up gets you any additional solo content that we're going to do. Like Shadon, for instance, has a, uh, he's been working on a long, long time. um, An an audio essay on shield hero. So on one end, you've got like very, very kind of crafted, uh, highly authored uh, artisanal content. Too bad the same could be said for shield hero. (laughs) And on the other (laughs) I hate that show. I hate Trans- so much. Transatlantic, transatlantic high five just happened. Um, oh. And then on the other end, like uh, you'll have me, like I do, I did a ramble that I recorded on Ready Player One, you poor bastard. which I just finished reading. You. Oh, motherfucker. <laughs> I know. I just finished reading. And uh, so we're, that will be for the $3 tier. Any videos or audio essays or content that one of us decides to do will be for that tier. And that tier also will get to, in the Discord server, ask questions about whatever the free stream of thought is. By the way, this show that we're doing now will remain yep. free free to all. Um, we, we plan to cover more shows f- for the um, Patreon subscribers, but I'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah... Um, uh, single single person content will be behind the $3. And then the question asking, yes, in the Discord, you'll get to ask us questions about um, Vinland Saga or whatever we're covering. And since you are, will be able to ask them before or during the show, like if you ask them, we, we will have to absolutely answer it no matter how ridiculous. And we will have oh, to give man. a detailed answer <laughs> on stream. <laughs> so... Uh, also, like for the uh, five dollar tier, any of the stuff that we do, where where we all come together, or two of us come together to do stuff, like we we do riff tracks. You longtime subscribers to the pod will be familiar with our mystery bando theater, and yeah. we've already got we've already got some of those recorded that we'll be uh, putting on the Patreon um, soon. I believe uh, for... Angel Cop is one of them, is it not? <laughs> yes, for the oh. first half of Angel Cop. Um, and we'll do the second half soon. Uh, but but the rest of... Uh, so we did the, the big poll to decide what we're going to cover. And Vinland Saga, of course, won. But Given came in second. So we thought people want to like hear us yeah. talk about Given. We'll do a stream of thought style uh, show on Given... Uh, and that'll be behind uh, the five dollar tier, and we may do like you know more stuff. There's uh, there there's now you can request kinds of content that we do. Oh god! Like the five <laughs> the five the five dollar tier is gonna do. We're so screwed. Uh, is gonna have. Uh, we are screwed. <laughs> I know. I know. We'll be polling people there. All, so, all, all that's gonna happen to me is that you know once we get a nice you know stable set Patreon subscribers. All they're ever going to ask me to do on my Solstathon is just Isekai constantly. And it's not even going to be even remotely good Isekai. It's going to be absolute garbage. 
But hey, if that's what you want to pay for, then you can go for it. That's the benefit of being a subscriber, you know, to our Patreon. Yep. You get to, you yep. know, you know, you get to choose. You get to, you know, assert your power, your your democratic power, and put me through hell if you so wish. You assume the role of Jesus in the Carrie Underwood song. You take the wheel. Oh, I was thinking more I'm when you so said sorry, that. I'm sorry, I just made I thought I thought when you said Jesus, then you're referring more to being you know nailed to a cross. Because that also well, that's us. yeah, that's that's... Us. yeah, oh, boy. yeah, that'll be us. Um, but you can go and have a, like the full breakdown um, on uh, Patreon.com/slash/WateryDeshow. Maybe some people pay for this nonsense that we do. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see if they don't have enough of it. Um, like I said, just to reiterate, this is going to remain free, and our subscriber milestone shows will be free too. Oh, that's a good point. That only seems fair. That's so we're a good gonna, point. Mm-hmm. We're gonna be doing <laughs> we're gonna be doing one of those since we just passed four hundred yeah, on YouTube. Thank, thank you, everyone. So. Thank you to everyone who subscribed. We really appreciate. Um, yes. Do we... you want to do you want to reveal what we're gonna be doing? Oh Jesus! Mm. I don't know. I kind of think we should save that uh, reveal because I don't actually know when we're gonna do it. So <laughs> yeah, we have well, to get talk to Virgilia. I mean, this is the beauty now of having a HD webcam. You can just more accurately read like my pained facial expression. Like about Jesus oh, now. It's not. It, it's not love more lovina. Thank fuck for that. I no man. No, I'm sorry I did that. That was my fault. Why are that we still friends? Contrib- Why are we still friends? <laughs> oh, oh Jesus Christ! Uh, so on. yeah, uh, thank you to everyone who has subscribed thus far. Uh, we will indeed soon be doing uh, another. Uh, oh my god, we'll be doing another you know, uh, subscriber milestones uh, stream to discuss our findings of a particular show that I will not name now or ever really I don't want to, I would ever want to admit to people after the fact that I will have seen what we're going to be discussing, I mean I told you all for free that I've watched Shield Hero which was shit uh, and is still shit and will always be shit uh, but at least I had the courage right. to admit that, I will never have the courage to admit what we're going to be watching but uh, stay tuned for that one soon, for you, uh, loyal viewers. That will, have, is it, as we've mentioned, E3 will not be behind a Patreon barrier or wall. No. So, like, we love you guys. Um, mm. We wanna, we wanted to try to keep as much of what we're doing. I think we're gonna keep everything that we've been doing uh, on the free side. Oh, and the bigger deep dive podcast that we don't do as much of these days. Yes, those will, those will still be uh, free. All the patrons, two dollars, three or five, will have early access to those. So, I'm still working on the Outer Men Night podcast. Shadon's working on uh, Macross Delta. Those will come out eventually. We promise. Yep. And still, patrons will have early access good. to those. But we wanted to do, yeah, it's hard. We wanted to do more, but we wanted to, by doing more, be able to make the show better in a lot of ways. But also, you know, we understand that not all of our our you know relatively small audience like has the coin to throw around. So we wanted to keep doing free stuff that people like and that people are already watching. So I think we've struck a good balance. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so Doc, um, with all the relevant housekeeping out of the way, do you have the sounds of my polls up? Uh, I thought I did, but I've oh yep yep I got them. I got him. Dot wants okay. to connect, but his 4G signal is just not that good. <laughs> right. Uh, I'm so I good. want to still connect. The jokes. I, want to, the jokes. I want to connect, 
but I, I want to connect, but 5G doesn't exist I wa- yet. I want to forget, but I forgot um. the Wi-Fi password. <laughs> That's real. I don't care how many times you lock me out. I'm going to keep on trying to connect to your router. Um. Okay. Our last... Oh, man, fuck. I didn't... Oh, I didn't think about Swords in Mind for so long. And now I'm thinking about it again. I'm sad that it's over. Yeah. Um, God know. damn it. I miss it. It was so good. Um, okay. All right. Um, so, poll one. I want to connect. So, Sarah, 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 Sarah's and my were your four choices. Yeah. Uh, Sarah's and my won in the landslide, of course, with 76%. Mm-hmm. Sarah number one and Sarah number three were tied at 9%. Sarah number two fell behind and only finishes up at 7%. Unfortunate. But otherwise, nice spread of uh, answers there, exactly what I was hoping for. You all did a bang-up job in imitating the Sarah's of my cry. Uh, that's the joke yes. poll of this one. If you notice, it's like whenever I do polling, I tend to throw in a joke one and something that's more, you know, oh my god, this is super serious shit. So we'll move on to that one now. So poll number two, if you could completely erase any one mistake from your life, in style of the show, would you? Or would you keep it in your memory as something to grow and mature from? Mm-hmm. Uh, 54% said yes, they would completely erase it. And 46 said no, they would keep it as something, as a foundation to build from. And I mean, that's, that speaks to like the tough the tough choice that that is and mm-hmm. why I'm really glad that's not a choice, actually. No, exactly. Um, I mean... It's obviously not possible in real life to forget about the things that have happened to you in this way that happens in the show. We don't have, you know, an amorphous blob-shaped Kappa come along who can just wipe away your memories, you know, wholesale, as it were. Um, But people, you know, do often bury things down that they don't want to talk about or re-experience or relive or reimagine. Um, And I just felt it was worth following up from that question, you know, that Mm -hmm. either answer is perfectly valid. I mean, we obviously yep. were not privy to the context that people answered that question into and what they were relating their experiences to. But, um, however you feel is best to, you know, deal with stuff that you've had difficulty with in your life, the troubles that you've been through, you do that. As much as a show like Sarah's and Maya, as I said last time, you know, is, you know, trying to push a good message that it is okay to, you know, go through loss and let that be something that you grow stronger from, something that you learn from and mature from. It's also entirely fair for people to say that they shouldn't have to go for it in the first place, and there's no shame in that. There's no shame in it whatsoever. Um, but I do want to thank people again for taking part in those polls and offering a perspective on that. So thank you very much, everyone. Uh, we will, of course, be doing polls for Vinland Saga going forward, uh, so keep an eye out for those as we go along. Uh, Doc will be handling them this time around, and I'm going to be handling uh, discussing episode one, uh, which is Somewhere Not Here. Uh, sounds like my lifeling yeah. in Manchester, to be honest, but there you go. Ho 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 ho! <laughs> uh, do we? You want me to throw creatives? At yes, us please. Before we get started, please. Okay, so <clears throat> pardon me. So Vinland Saga is originally, as I'm sure most people know, but just in case that we don't, uh, it's a manga written by Makoto Yukimura, and it started. In 2005, and it wow. is still running. So uh, I don't know, actually, offhand the publication schedule. Um, so 
in early no i do now as i say that mm-hmm. so the first six months of its run it was in weekly shonen magazine hence weekly mm-hmm. then of course in december of 2005 and onward for the next almost 15 years it went to monthly afternoon oh and dear. let me just say I'm, I'm that makes <laughs> that makes so much more sense because this should not be in a boys a little boys magazine this should not be this should be in a a seinen publication mm-hmm. uh with other you know sort of more mature and or violent stories there are 21 volumes of this thing out 21 takabons um and the finally finally the anime adaptation is here i think a lot of people have been wanting this for a long time i've heard nothing but praise about this manga for years uh the author also wrote planetess ah. uh, a manga it's really short the manga for that mm. i haven't read it but i've seen the anime adaptation and i love it i love it mm. um has the author discovered speak- idol master at any point i'm just thinking there might be a link here. <laughs> yeah right don't please don't let him like you know uh, download a gacha game yeah. or watch an idol show. Yeah, I mean, what do you think is the biggest threat, you know, to Mangaka these days? Uh, old age, you know, not not having secure funding, piracy even, perhaps? No, it's literally idols. Idols will ruin a Mangaka's life. I mean, with Berserk, that will probably end when I'm 80 and I've got cataracts. <laughs> ever... And when I've got cataracts, I can't ever... read it. So it's worthless. Do you think that the uh, his name escapes me at the moment? The Berserk mangaka, I can't remember. But uh, Kentaro Miura. Yes, Kentaro Miura. Do you think Miura and George R. R. Martin get together and they just laugh? <laughs> they just laugh at every. No, 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 no. They keep arranging to get together, but they never actually manage to successfully. <laughs> yes, I agree. Zidoglossia comes for us all. <laughs> yeah, it's just procrastination continually trying to outdo each other by never meeting for that one coffee they promised oh well so we'll stop procrastinating and and move forward with this piece here so uh the anime adaptation again long awaited is being broadcast on nhk general tv of all networks like this might be something you'd expect to see on you know late night uh time slot but um uh, what I, I actually don't know the time slot, so maybe I'm misspeaking. Maybe it is being shown late at night on NHK. What I mean is, on a on a channel or network that it is positioned and, and marketing its shows toward anime fans rather than the general audience, right? NHK is more like Japan's uh, PBS, uh, their public television, their national broadcasting, and uh, they do show anime on it. But I, I think it's you know. You may be surprised that a show like this is on there, but I, I, I think it just speaks to like the quality uh, of of the story, of the source material, and the expectations they have for it. So, this show is directed by uh, Shuhei Yabuta mm-hmm. and Mr. Yabuta. Let me just tell you, Uh-oh. this CV, this CV mm. Shadon, is weird. <laughs> um, I was not what I was expecting, weird. but carry on, carry on. It's fucking weird, like because aside from a a couple of storyboarding or photography gigs, 
this man has been the 3D CG director or producer, CG designer for like dozens of shows. Like yeah. that's his thing. That's everything. Interesting. That, Does uh, he have many or any, yeah, no, any known like or big deal uh, directional credits? Or is like this literally his first? No. Wow. This is he's the first director. Uh, I mean, of anything. I'm not privy to like you know how popular or how respected Vinland Saga is in Japan as an, as an IP, but I mean, again, like a lot of things, I know of it through reputation, through osmosis, from you know why read and why hear from people, and that's a big deal to give a guy this property who has no or little directional experience previously and has only ever worked on the lesser quote that's not me being derogatory me saying that you know it's obviously on the ranking scale like you know not as important as a directional position so wow yeah uh, that's a that's a big deal and we'll hopefully well i mean spoilers uh there have been three episodes released this show thus far actually uh mm -hmm. can i also talk very briefly about amazon uh can i also talk very you briefly may. about yep. how useless they are <laughs> i mean <laughs> of course is it, is it not the height well, of here for is it not the height of irony that a company that prides itself on delivering stuff on time physical objects on time can't put this out digitally when they agree to do it this is their mo unfortunately jesus christ um, they struggle with this shit every every season it seems like with a show that i am watching on their channel they I, yeah have distribution issues <laughs> i mean i remember when we watched banana fish and we just you know just like drumming our fingers waiting for it to actually, you know, come up eventually. I mean, maybe these are the same guys who, you know, decided that they would organize the taxi I was supposed to have for my doctor's appointment this afternoon. You are I'm, so mad I'm, I'm, I'm not bitter about that at all, really. I mean, it's not <laughs> like, you know, I was going to have blood tests or anything like that. Something potentially quite important. Anyway, I'll not bore you all set for that. Um, so, yeah, we've had three episodes already. They've been released simultaneously. So, just to clarify for people who might be joining us late or who haven't seen our social media feeds... Um, we're only covering episode one today, even though the others are out. Um, we'll then be doing mm -hmm. episode two next week and episode three afterwards, because there is quite a substantial gap between that chunk of three and episode four coming along. Uh, yeah. Why they've done this, I don't know, but it, we'll work with it however we can. Um, one thing I'm going to say for my part is that I have watched all three episodes already. I am going to do my best to treat my retelling of the events here and my later talking points as if though I've only seen the first episode, to not give too much away now. Um, because I think there is a lot to take away from the first episode in particular in isolation even before you consider the events of 2 and 3. Uh, so that's my promise, whether or not I you know, keep to it and don't just start gabbing off randomly as is my one, is a different matter. But we will we'll try. We will certainly try. Alright, so yeah. I think that covers everything. Let's actually talk about, you know, finally... Oh, wait. oh sorry, oh. no. No, no, I was not done. <laughs> but, but that's okay, because... Uh, the Amazon rant needed to happen because they needed to be I need to let the world know we both need to let the world know how annoying it, it is but it's interesting it's, it, it's good that you brought up Banana Fish because ah. the head writer of oh. this show oh this is not the link and, I was expecting but carry on mm, oh the head writer of this show uh and he's listed on the Wikipedia as the episode writer for all the episodes, uh, Hiroshi Seko. Oh, yes, um, my boy. Yeah, this doesn't surprise me in some ways because for Banana Fish, not only was, was he the head writer, but he did the screenplay for all 24 episodes. Wow. Um, 
And, you know, he also was the head writer for Mob Psycho 100, seasons one and two. Uh, he wrote fantastic. This, mm-hmm. Uh, more involved with season two, even. He wrote the scripts for, like, 10 episodes of that show. <laughs> and there are only 13 episodes. Well, now that you've made the banana so, fish, like, I've got to put it in my head canon that uh, Thorfinn, who will be introduced to soon enough, is actually Ash's mm-hmm. ancestor. Oh, <laughs> I like it. I want to hear this. I want to hear this link. But, I mean, he's got other credits that are less, uh, you know, um, highly thought of on on his list it's it's a mixed bag but like lately especially it seems when Seko has been more involved and in adaptations as opposed to original works like darling in the franks um Ugh. he yeah and he he was involved with that too for a couple episodes but it seems like this guy's really great at adaptation and and great at being in control now you could argue you could argue that he had great source material Mm-hmm. Me not being familiar with the source material of Vinland Saga, Banana Fish, or Mob Psycho, I wouldn't have anything. I could, I, I all I could do is say, well, I yes, that's very possible. I haven't read any of it, but adaptation could be fucked up, yep. and he seems to be really good at it. Uh, we'll see how he fares. The, fin- the finished season. product is what counts, really, when it comes to I mean, we, mm-hmm. adaptation is always fascinating to me in terms of like what you choose to keep, what you choose to add, trim, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, but ultimately, the devil, you know, the proof's in the pudding. What is the end product like? Is it good in its own yeah. right? And well, as we said, I've never read Vinland Sire myself. I know all the sketches of details on it prior to watching this, but we'll certainly give you our opinion as we go through all of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that. Do you know. Oh, well, do you know, I was going to ask you, these guys, uh, the, this director and writer combination, have worked together before on your favorite anime property. Oh, no. One whose visual aesthetic reminds me a lot of the aesthetic of this show, actually. Uh, go on. Um, go Attack on. on Titan. So, yeah, Seko can I, wrote can I just... a lot of Attack on Titans, and uh, our director, uh, I, his name, let me scroll up, <sighs> I'm in the wrong window, Yabuta. Shuhei Yabuta did a lot of the 3D stuff for for AOT no. and also Cabinary, which is a uh, related conceptually. But uh, yeah, go go for it. Man. Give me your Attack on Titan call. Can I just say how happy I am that I chose to drop it after the first season? Everything I've heard about <laughs> since then has just sounded like it's just a complete mess. Yeah. So I. I I'm the same. I didn't watch any really past season one, so... I mean, alright, it's not quite the same as when I, you know, started reading about all the hubbub about Game of Thrones finale, and everyone was like, you should, all you should be watching this all along, I'm like, ha! <laughs> 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 Who's laughing now? Who's laughing now? That's eight seasons of nothing that I dodged, and I could not be more smug about it. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> anyway, alright... Right, dance around the issue long enough. Let's talk about the shows. Yep. So let us finally get to talking about the Elder Scrolls Skyrim anime. Wait, no, wrong thing. Sorry. Although that makes me think that if there's such a thing did exist, then you just have Todd Howard appearing as himself. It's trying... Skyrim. Yeah. Oh, that's such a better... I was going to do the... You talked about Winter is Coming. Mm-hmm. It's come for these characters. Oh, <laughs> oh. But no, Skyrim is a really good, oh. really good one I didn't think of. 
god. If if Skyrim wasn't anime, by the way, I think Todd Howard would just appear as himself in it, and he'd just constantly trying to like talk directly into the camera like this. He'd be like, "Hey guys, why don't you buy Skyrim for the Switch? Or how about Fallout seventy six? Anyway, let's not think. Definitely of- want to do that. Let's- did you have problems with your Amazon stream? Because Felix is saying that you know he did a download, um, and it wasn't good. I didn't download it. I just streamed it, and it, it was fine. Although. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they had all three episodes up, like, one after the other. Like, when you get to the end of the episode, it says next episode. But you couldn't select them individually from the list on Prime's page. But mm-hmm. saying that Amazon Prime is bad for video streaming is like saying, you know, that water is great for stopping electricity. It Just saying. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, let's actually talk about Vinland Saga. So, Vinland Saga, episode one, somewhere not here. It actually does start appropriately with somewhere that is not here in the context of the show. Uh, we meet our one of our protagonists, Thor's. Uh, uh, That'll be important later, by the way. His name is not an accident, you know, of just you know being named after the Norse god of thunder. It'll be relevant to his relationship in the future episode with a different character. <clears throat> anyway, he's currently lying in a field of wheat somewhere, and he stands up, and you know, it's all very picturesque. Looks down, oh my god, dead bodies everywhere, and then, well, it's your average Viking Friday night. Everyone's fighting each other at the sea. Uh, Thor's is joined by Thorkel, uh, who's a giant berserker dude with an axe he can cleave through stuff like hot knife through butter. Um, Thor's has a plan to go take out the enemy. He starts navigating between ships, taking out everywhere he, everyone he sees, carving them up like they're nothing. He's just pretty much unstoppable, and he's not even really phased or struggling by any of it, which will be uh, important later as well, I should stress. Put a pin in that. Uh, to the point where he even gets hit by an arrow, and he's just like, "Bitch, please!" Yeah. <laughs> it's like the equivalent of you'll remember this a like a Gundam wing battle, oh. where one of the mechs is just like pirouetting through mm-hmm. the the shitty grunt mechs and just like taking no damage and like shooting a gun and just giant swaths of other robots explode before them. Mm. It reminded me of this, indeed. Uh, so. At the point that he actually ended up uh, getting shot, like he continues to carve his way for a couple of different soldiers. He eventually forces one of them into the water, and after dealing with him, uh, his sword, he lets it go, and it falls to the ocean floor, at which point he then uh, comes ashore. Uh, one thing I will note, by the way, is we are given very little, if no context, on why this fight is even happening, what the sides are, what the stakes are at play here, and you might think to yourself, uh, well, that's a problem. It isn't, but that's something I'll save later, because I think it's important that it is actually completely context-free. Mm-hmm. Alright, and then we get the OP. Now, hands up here if you've, uh, you know, been around since we at least did Banana Fish. My hand's up. If you've been around... Togaro, get your hand up. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you've been around and you've listened to our stream of thoughts on Banana Fish, and have even watched the show, but not necessarily listened to, oh, sorry, listened to us do that... You might think to yourself, why does that OP sound familiar? Hmm, let me stroke my beard. It's the return of our old favourite, you know, uh, Japanese grunge emo band, uh, Survive Said the Prophet, doing the OP for this one. Um, oh, you could, the scream. <laughs> you could recognise that scream at the end. It's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. I love this OP, like, you, and you could just, like, I love the scream at the end and how it syncs up with the image of uh, Thorfinn, or sorry, Thorfinn, uh, 
just like screaming to the air and to the beam of light. Like it's so fucking good. Mm. You can just feel it. You feel his uh, his anger really, really good in that scene. Mm. So uh, after the OP, you finishes... feel it really good. <laughs> I'm good critic. We're not music critics. We're not even really anime critics. We're just—I mean, we are probably a bad <laughs> podcast after all. So we're just keeping on brand here. Anyway, yep. so after the OP Check. ends, we cut to uh, Forfin, and he's getting uh, water from a river. Uh, this is Iceland, and it's the year one thousand and two. So new millennium, mm. new start, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That year will be relevant in a bit when we meet a character coming up who, believe it or not, does actually, or rather, did actually exist at the time. Uh, bear that in mind when we get to him in a moment. Uh, but something to pay note to here is the environment. Of course, we had previously, you know, Fawz's, uh vision of this picturesque, you know, verdant, rich and fertile land. And, well, we're in, I think it's Iceland now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep, we're in Iceland yeah. now. And, well, it ain't called Iceland for nothing. It's a desolate, <laughs> harsh place. And a lot of the opening scenes here are contextualized by just them doing activity and chores like milking cows, uh, clearing snow from the roof. Uh, forth and getting water from um, the river. It's not an easy life, or at least it's not made out to be one. Um, so after all this, we then have uh, Forfin, by the way, look out to sea. And this is our first clue that he's got, you know, a wide imagination. He clearly wants to go see the world. Uh, I mean, he's an impressionable young kid. It's not really that surprising. But this is the point where we meet, uh, if I am not mistaken, what was his na- full name again? Uh, Leif Erikson. Leif Erikson. Leif yeah. Erikson. The, now the real dude. <laughs> he's he is a real dude because here's the thing, right? Yeah. I was watching Vinland Saga for the first time um, at the weekend, and it gets to this point where it says year one thousand and two, and I'm like, did the Vikings come to the uh, Vinland, what as it were, at the time, or were they not like you know casting their net a bit wide by going to of all places the Americas, the North America specifically. So in advance this stream, I thought, you know what, let's go to everyone's favourite, you know, treasure trove of knowledge and not all, you know, spurious source of information, Wikipedia. And let's go look it up. Leif Erikson is actually a real guy. He is the son, I believe, of Eric the Red. And his deeds were immortalised in two sagas, uh, the Saga of Eric, and I think the other one, if I'm not mistaken, was... Leaves of grass. Leaves of grass. Oh, thank, no, thank you. No, no, uh, that's that's not true. That was me fucking around. That's uh, not true. You... <laughs> that, thanks. <laughs> I got backstabbed. That is, I think, the the Walt Whitman poetry book about nature. Hmm. Uh, uh, Saga, no, I don't. Saga I don't know. Green I remember. Uh, <laughs> okay, I remember reading about him in social studies in elementary school. Yeah, it's like this is a cool Viking guy. Mm-hmm. Yep, so he actually did go to Vinland, which is currently modern-day uh, North Canada, if I'm not mistaken. What does he suck? I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. We're not getting any, pa- any Patreon supporters from Canada anytime soon. <laughs> nice one, Doc. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with me disliking Canada. I love, oh, I so you love do dislike everyone Canada. that I've ever met. <laughs> no! No! That's not what I mean. That's not what I mean at all. I love everyone I've ever met from Canada. I've never been. I almost went to the University of Toronto. If you're um, not eating pussy next time we're on here, then it's you, you, I'm, we're done. We're done. That's it. Shut down already. Um, um, but like the fact that just so I didn't know that Vinland was Newfoundland, right? Until after I watched this and looked it up. But like, yeah, just. They talk about it like, you know, 
the fucking what is that the great you remember land before time do you remember does anyone out there remember the land before time yes animated films and the dinosaurs were in a dire straits vegetation was dying off and they said the great valley the great valley is where it's at green lush there's no problems flowing water this is how they speak of vinland yeah and just the fact that they're just like canada the place of hopes and dreams for some reason it like makes me it just makes me laugh because it'd be like if they said you know philadelphia or new Jersey. i mean just well, like it name any real place and they're like the place will be free from all of our oppressors. To be fair, uh, to be to- fair, Topeka. You know, to be fair, uh, in <laughs> you know the time of um, in the time of slavery in America, uh, after it was formed, um, there was the rail. There were the railroads to Canada. You know where once it, it was outlawed in Commonwealth slavery. That is, uh, you know, escaped slaves would try and reach there to become free. So you know, it actually that's true. So yeah, that's true. It's not the it's not the last time that it will be seen as a place of freedom. Uh, but yeah, uh, Eric reason he's here is he's actually telling uh, a group of kids including uh, Thorfinn about Vinland and what he uh, found while he was there about how it was like you know rich and verdant you know, like you know it's precise and warm in contrast to the freezing hellscape they live in now uh, and including how he met a couple of the uh, natives there um, and he obtained from them the headdress that he's wearing and the common thread here is that all the kids apart from Thorfinn think he's a liar and a, you know he's talking out of his ass. And Thorfinn, however, is all over this stuff. He's completely in on it. Um, Thor's returns and says, like, sends all the kids away to bed. Um, but there's something to note as well is that Thorfinn also mentions that his dad is a warrior. This will be relevant to his own character later. Um, mm-hmm. Because thus far, what we've seen of uh, Thor's, like, when he's just doing his usual shtick of, like, you know, the homestead stuff, is he's, he's very mild-mannered. He's, he's not really much into nonsense and he's not like you know big brawly like you know i'm gonna get my way through violence kind of guy he's just basically hard working he's a very he's a very marked contrast from who he was in some ways and some others not when we saw him in the the battle scene that took place many years earlier um there's like a quiet uh like a quiet strength about him yes you know even when he's you know doing regular things with the villagers mm-hmm. i like i mean not to spoil episode two but when he's trying to make the bowl <laughs> that was great yep. i love that scene absolutely oh. um so i know for a fact by the way uh, shouts to santa monica studios i know now where you cribbed your notes for kratos <laughs> and atreus from god of war 4 from i know where you pinched those notes from i'm on to you especially given the I'm fact that this you. has existed for 15 years yeah i'm on to you <laughs> like, i i know where you copied those oh, bits from telling you now yeah um but anyway yeah. we get a sp- so funny we get a brief intermission shot of some gentleman wandering through the snow and he's got a collar around his neck with a broken chain on it um eric and Thor's are drinking uh bead presumably and they're talking about how the winters are getting worse like and colder and people are starting to struggle uh, a lot of livestock will die. Again, a big emphasis placed on environment here and where they live and how it's not easy in any way, shape, or form. Uh, this is also where we get introduced to uh, Thor's daughter, uh, Thorfinn's older sister, whose name currently escapes me because I can't pronounce it. Ilva. Ilva, thank you. Uh, Ilva, to me, I don't know if it's just me, but if she were transferred into a Leiji Matsumoto uh, anime, she would look exactly like the lead character from Galaxy Express Trouble Nine. Am I, am I wrong on that? 
She's got oh, a, more, than passing, more than the passing resemblance, I think. Huh. Uh, to, um... Oh my god, Maytel. Um, well, you know, she has a similar fashion. She could she could pull off the the hat and the, the fur and everything. Uh, something about Ilva, like, she strikes me as more hardy, whereas Maytel was very sort of waifish. Mm. Um, and would not survive the cold winter. <laughs> probably, probably for the best. Um, but yeah, um, we then get Thorfinn having a dream in which he is dreaming about traveling to Vinland and meeting. Uh, I'm going to probably completely mispronounce this, so my apologies to any ancient Vikings in the chat here. Uh, Jormungandr. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Right, Jormungandr. Jormungandr. Yeah, uh, the world serpent. World serpent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of the children of Loki, mm, I believe. I, I neglected to mention, in... by the way, there is a mention of a gentleman named Floki. Uh, <laughs> it is, this is like the first Viking DJ, I feel like. Floki. <laughs> DJ Floki in Floki. the house. <laughs> yeah, I it, it, sip your mead while I spin the Viking wax. <laughs> That's the, that was a Viking horn sound. Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's a really bad one. So, um, so, but uh, yeah, the, so worlds, the world serpent, like, and th- the kid brings it up too. Like, it was supposed to correct me if I'm because. So you've read the Gaiman mythology book, right? I have. Okay, do you, so and correct me if I'm wrong because it's been almost. I think it's been like a year since I've read it. But so he Jormungand like encircles the world. Right, like yeah. the the boundaries of the world, and if you sail far enough, you'll bump into him. Yep, he will kill you. Um, and he's just waiting for Ragnarok to like spring on the gods and fight them to try to like obtain the tree. Am I correct in all this, or am I? Uh, vaguely, I can't, I mean, I've, okay. it's been a while since I've read it too, but that's the broad thrust of it. But anyway, yeah. despite that, he's having a dream about it, and this is basically Thorfinn's current character, which is his naivety. I mean, he is a kid, it's to be expected. Yeah. Uh, and we will learn mm-hmm. more of that in the coming episodes, again, not to get too ahead of myself here. Uh, but he wakes from his dream, his sister gives him a hug, and the, he actually overhears his um, father and Eric still talking. Um, but anyway, we cut to uh, the following morning in which... Uh, Thor's and Ilva. Are... Can I ask? Oh, a, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question about this scene when uh, when uh, Thorfinn wakes up and Ilva has climbed into his bed? Um, so the way she plays it off is very much like, you know, being kind of uh, like jokey big sis. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna bully you a little bit, but also love you a little bit. Um, do you think that? I was having to think when I rewatched it that the reason maybe originally she uh, climbed in his bed was that she overheard the people, the other guys talking about, you know, the harsh things happening in Greenland and people dying. And she just wanted a little bit of comfort to go to sleep because, you know, she says like to him, hey, don't don't worry, leave the worrying to the adults. And maybe she's kind of projecting a little bit there. Not sure. Could just be something as simple as it's bloody fucking cold, and I and uh, <laughs> you know, and yeah, she doesn't like warm the cold. That's understandable. Uh, mm-hmm. But you say worrying is for adults. Well, she starts nagging for us the following morning when they're trying to clear ice off the roof, 
uh, saying, can we, yes. can we get a slave? And Hawes responds, well, I'm sorry, there aren't any left after all the isekais dragged them all up. No, sorry. Oh, oh, not true. oh, oh, ho, no. ho, 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 the jokes write themselves. Um, oh, I, I really like that that is a thing because to me, when she asks, can we get a slave? Like, I think there's so many things in this episode and, and the next one, too, that, like, establish and reinforce over and over again that, like, these people in this village don't really have a perspective of what life outside the safe haven is like. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're going to be like, can we get a slave? Because yeah, what do they think just, of no... sla- slavery is like? It's just, like, a person who nothing bad happens to, and, like, they come... And we take care of them, and they do some stuff for us, and they're happy, and we're happy. Yeah, like, it's fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. There's nothing morally Even, or like, ethically wrong with it. Yeah. Even the adults, right? It's not just the kids or teenagers like Ilva. Like, even the men just have no fucking idea at this point of what what is outside their bubble. Like, the awfulness. And... Well, they, Boy, get, well they, it, they get some. Oh. They even get a rude wake out of this episode. Although I will say, mm-hmm. uh, Irony is a cold mistress, as it turns out. Because <laughs> right. in shoveling all this snow off the roof, uh, Ilva falls, lands on the ground. She's fine, but she's like, What's this underfoot here? Do you remember the gentleman I mentioned who, and I should note, has the broken collar of chains around his neck? He's there. She literally said, why can we not have a slave? And then one turns up. Funny how that works, isn't it? <sighs> but yeah, he's yeah. he's not doing so hot because, of course, he's been buried in the snow and he's mostly frozen to death. But we'll come back to him in a bit. For the moment... Uh, he needs chapstick more than any man has ever needed chapstick in anime. He, he does. His lips. Oh, they're so painful to look at. Mm. For the moment, though, uh, we cut to Eric and Thorfinn, who are at the shore. Uh, Eric is working on a boat. Uh, and Thorfinn is just asking me a load of questions about, like, you know, Vinland and all that. And this is the point where, as you said before about the idea of the naivety that they all have and the fact they're all in a bubble, uh, Eric is, of course, a, tra- a traveled person. Uh, and he mentions how this ocean is incredibly dangerous. Uh, detailing how he and his crew got caught in an ice floe, and he ultimately was the only one who survived that just because they all starved to death. Um, although Thorfinn uh, doesn't believe it, he thinks that wrongly, of course, but it's what a kid would do to be honest. That they're just trying to shelter him and coddle him. He's very headstrong. So understandably, he's there's no way my people ran away. Like that's not like the foundation of who we are. No, the coward. Like no, we're good and strong and everything that is right is part of our makeup <laughs> yeah my dad's awesome like he again worships his dad understandably like mm-hmm. you know he's like the big strong burly man of the village why wouldn't you at that age and in that environment anyway uh force takes this gentleman uh who is not named in the episode so i'm just going to refer to him as the slave uh, much as i would prefer not to mm. but anyway uh, right. back to the house yeah. and he is frostbitten to hell his arms and his legs are gone he is a skeleton like He's got a massive scar across his chest and where he's been whipped. Um, Ilva, Ilva notes that he, you know, because he's a runaway slave, by sheltering him, they could potentially bring trouble upon themselves. That's what they run. That's the risk they run here. Um, while this is happening, and we cut back to Eric, and he starts telling uh, Thorfinn about uh, Harold, 
Harald, or however you pronounce his name. It's not Harold, unfortunately. Um, Again, the juxtaposition of a seemingly kind of ordinary thing, the name Harold, with this story. Yeah. And this <laughs> to me is just like, you know, like they're worried about Jim. You know what I mean? Oh, after, Jim. I'm sorry. Lord, I'm Lord sorry. of all darkness. <laughs> yes, Harold. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Indeed. So, uh, again, after telling him about that and how a lot of people fled uh, to escape Harold's tyranny, uh, Thorfinn doesn't believe him, thinks he's chatting bollocks, and runs away to go speak to his dad and, you know, basically tell on him, like, Dad, Dad, he's telling lies. But, of course, he runs in at the point in which, you know, uh, the slave gentleman is he's trying to revive him through Viking CPR. Uh, not quite the accurate way of doing it because I am first aid trained. He needs to do it a bit like light tired than that. But I'll give Thor's credit for actually knowing it, as opposed to just you know throwing like herbs on him or some shit like to try and make him feel better. Uh, <laughs> the technique has evolved over time, indeed. Uh, but the gentleman actually does wake up. Uh, he's barely alive, and he mentions um, you know that he doesn't want to go back, and specifically says, "I don't want to go back to Half Dan's household." And um, now, Half Dan, uh, we will find out later, is the younger brother of Full Dan and the older brother of No Dan. Been holding that. Hey, I've been holding that in for a while. That's right. I mean, sorry, how can, <laughs> how can you have a name like Half Dan and have anyone expect you to take you seriously? <laughs> Come on. See, you have a problem with Half Dan, whereas I like crack up at Harold. That's funny. Yeah, I guess, like, is his, will his grandson be Double Dan? <laughs> Family Double Dan. <laughs> Sorry. There'll be quarter down or something like that. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> You're right. Quarter down sounds great. Yeah, but. That's a t- Yoshiyuki Tamino name. <laughs> I'm just I'm just thinking to myself, though, like, how they. Because we will see half down in a bit. And I really wish he was literally five feet tall. And so. And they just bring in a box for him to stand on when he confronts Fours. I really wish that happened. But sadly, we're not having the Monty Python version of Vikings here, so that's not the case. Um, but anyway, uh, he says he does not want to go back. And uh, because timing's a bitch in all this, uh, Half Dan uh, does indeed arrive at the port of the village. Um, spoiling for a fight. Now, we get introduced to Half Dan quite strongly here because. One of his goons takes issue with uh, Ari, who is um, Thor's friend, um, who we were introduced to early in the uh, episode. Uh, you know, where they start arguing on the fact that you took my eyes and you took my brother's leg and all that, which just really sounded like the, you know, Viking adult version of a child saying they stole each other's toys. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, but Halfdan doesn't take kindly to his subordinate stepping out of line and actually whips him around the face with his chains and rips half his skin off in quite a grisly moment um yes but half dan is clear on his perspective which is the rule of order is supreme uh and through you know slavery that is the rule of law on people and how they should be controlled like their freedom is irrelevant it's law and order that he values above all else uh he is probably like one of the most like perfect examples of what in DD you would call a lawful evil character he is, yeah, he is, that's a good point. He is completely on point. And that I actually really appreciated this episode, that he is not, like... I mean, I'll be honest, when I saw this scene playing out, I thought, oh god, this episode's gonna end with Half Dan, like, you know, burning the entire village down or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Because 
if you're a savvy, if you're even a semi-savvy viewer of anime or fiction or, or TV in general, you can probably guess where some certain elements are leading up to here. You know, you've got Forfin being, you know, all open will. You know, he's, he's like, well, Scott has the wider world. He's very naive. And you've got Force trying to keep the peace. You can put two and two together and start seeing how certain things would play out. But I did appreciate that Half Dan is more complex than simply just being a brute. He has a very clear philosophy about how he handles people, even though he handles them appallingly, as we see firsthand. But he is also, you know, very much, you, right, I, no one speaks for me, I speak for myself, get back in line, you follow the rules and you follow my lead. He's not going to let his people, for example, go running through the village, like, you know, pillaging and plundering, as, as they otherwise would want to do. So, Halfdan actually does end up charging into um, Thor's house. Uh, Ilva tries to intervene by saying, look, we were just looking after him for all that, and Halfdan says, look, this guy belongs to me, and I'm taking him back. Simple as that. You know? Easy peasy. Uh, Fawns, however, interrupts and says, how much did you buy him for? And... This was so great. Yeah. I love this scene. And after a bit of banter, like, he... Halfdan says, look, two sheep, two ewes. And Fawns actually says, I will buy him off you. And Halfdan says, look, I'm taking back to make an example of him to the other slaves so that they don't escape. Simple. Simple as that. Uh, but then, uh, Thor's actually ups the game by saying, look, just name your price. Name your price. I'll give you whatever you want just to keep him safe. And in the end, that price is eight sheep. Which... I will say I wish the anime was more explicit on how detrimental it is to lose these sheep to the family. It just seems to be something that happens and then it isn't really mentioned again, even though it would be quite quite a pain for them to deal with in our already harsh conditions, but I'll get some there. But anyway. Ilva seems pretty Ilva's pretty distressed. Yes, but you know but, she's crying in the next scene. Yes, <laughs> but it. then again, she's also crying like, you know, and like, oh blast it like in that kind of way, as opposed to we are genuinely mm. fucked because right. of this. That, I feel like this could have had more import. Um, but anyway, that is agreed. While this is happening though, um, or rather before this happens, I should because I'm kind of skipping around here, I apologise. Um, the slave gentleman, he actually is hallucinating an open field of sunshine, you know, and, and third and grass. So there's your parallel to what Fawz is doing at the start, and the parallels will not end there between Fawz and this gentleman as it turns out. Um, although I'm going to have to save a lot of that discussion for episode two, but anyway. Um, <clears throat> Fawz actually relates to the slave the story of Vinland. Like, saying, you know, this is where we are. He, he tells him that's where we are. You know, you're in Vinland. You know, it's, it's all good. Everything's great. And we'll I'll discuss why he's doing this in a minute. Because uh, it also ties back to, you know, Eric's own stories earlier that he was giving to the children. So anyway, with the deal concluded between Halfdan and Fawz, um, we cut practically immediately to nighttime and the sound of crying. And it is, as you say, Ilva. Uh, the slave gentleman sadly died shortly after the deal was completed, so it's basically been for nothing. Although I would actually disagree with that. But or I'll, was it? But I'll, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I'll come yeah. to in a minute. Um, so Thorfinn and Fawz have a brief heart-to-heart on the place where they buried him, like this little cliff edge. Um, 
in which Forfeit actually asks his father straight, did we run away? And his dad's answer is essentially, yes, we did. And that is pretty much the concluding moment of the episode, although we do get a panning shot all the way back to the house where it's revealed that Fors has a chest with weapons and armor in it. Uh, which, again, is also relevant for something else. Uh, but otherwise, that's episode one, somewhere but here. Yeah. Some, somewhere else but here. And, whew, oh boy. Right. It was it was a great episode. I, um, yeah. There's a lot to talk about even just in this first episode. Yeah, I um, agree. Like, there's been a lot of thought by on the author's part of this particular story, of how pa- things mm-hmm. parallel together, and it only gets more so in the second episode. Uh, so, yeah. If you're new to Warrior Death Show, we do like to do talking points while we've got to go through the plot. Um, mm-hmm. As we often want to do, because we are doing these episodes sequentially, and in this case in particular, we often do get into the realm of speculation. But I'm actually going to try something a little different this time around, because I've been thinking about oh. this in the run-up to okay. covering this show, even before it. I want to talk about something called historical authenticity. So I'm going to open this up, but like, let's have a little thought exercise here, folks, so here in the audience, so play along at home here. Would you say... Um, that the Lord of the Rings is historically accurate. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. No. Mm-hmm. No. No. Yes. no. Easy one. Give me a hard no, one. No. Come on. No. You. You, <laughs> you know what I mean by that. It is obviously not historically mm-hmm. accurate. But no. would you say that disregarding the fantastical elements like Mordor, Gollum, the Ring, etc., that when you look at, for example, say uh, the capital of Rohan? Uh, that that has historical authenticity to it. It looks like, conceived like something that did exist in our what we in our own Middle Ages or before that. Would you agree that's true? Okay. As best as I can remember that, that yes, I do. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you then go into anime with Berserk, again, not even historically accurate, and disregard, but disregarding the fantastical elements of that show and that manga. There's an authentic element to it. You've got knights, you've got people mm-hmm. wearing armor. There's a certain degree to which you can believe its plausibility. Because this is the distinction between uh, fantasy stories, and when I say fantasy, I do include ones that aren't even, you know, necessarily like they've got magic or goblins or shit in them. Just, um, I put Vinland Saga kind of sort of in that because it's, well, maybe more just, let's say, medieval literature, something like that. Whatever you are called. Yeah. There's, there's probably a proper like a, per- a period piece. Period piece. Historical yeah. fiction. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. there's a distinction between that and science fiction. Science fiction is in terms of events and technology, usually stuff that happens in the future. Um, mm-hmm. So we can't say, for example, obviously, that we we have things in reality we can draw comparisons to for that, like from history, because they aren't really there. I mean, obviously, we know we can do things like, uh, you know, compare, like, draw inspiration, but you won't obviously see, you know, say, a Gundam in real life now because that's sci-fi. It has that understanding of being in the future whatever that may be Mm -hmm. and whenever that may be. So why is this relevant to the idea of historical authenticity? Here's the thing, right? When you're writing fiction, what you choose to include in your story, your fictional story, should serve the story. And I often see people say that certain elements are included in stories like Finland's saga, such as slavery, rape, pillage, blunder, murder, you name it, all, all the fun things that happened historically they were things that happened i'm not going to pretend that they didn't i'm not going to pretend that vikings went around and just you know shook everyone's hands and you know that all they dearly did was just you know like get drunk and just wander home you know yes like a lot of of brutal shit happened in history 
But here's the thing. It's fiction. So when it comes to writing a fictional story, if you want to include such things as slavery, you need to have it serve a narrative purpose. It can't just simply be there for you to score points in terms of it feeling authentic. It's not right. enough to do that. Um, and this is what I actually really appreciate about Vinland Saga is I was worried somewhat that it was going to start crossing some lines and like, you know, shit happens because that was the thing that happened in its, you know, real life equivalent. I mean, after all, we even do have, you know, Eric, uh, sorry, Leif Erikson. So clearly it's drawing from historical, um, you know, events. But the slave in this particular episode, the unnamed gentleman, he's included for a purpose. He's included to serve a narrative purpose. He's not simply there just because slavery was a thing that happened at that time, just to fill it as background noise. So I really appreciate that Vinland Saga did that, but I think it's just generally something to bear in mind whenever you're looking at fiction like this, which has its origins in some sort of, you know, past, shall we say. Like, you know, Berserk, Lord of the Rings, you know, they're all generally understood to be... uh, from the past, like in terms of like their chronology, like you know, before present day, because they mm-hmm. obviously are set in more primitive times. So I really, really appreciate that. Um, but it's something just to bear in mind as you go through these particular things that simply scoring points for historical accuracy or historical authenticity isn't enough because you're writing fiction, you fool. Not a history book. Yeah. Although that being said, that doesn't mean you can also scrimp on the other storytelling points because then I'd be neglecting to mention things like Black Lion. God, that was a turgid piece of shit. Do you know? Wait a minute. Yeah, I said black, Wait a minute. black lion. <laughs> Wait a minute. You think. <laughs> I don't think it's. That no. black lion? <laughs> Where, uh. Fucking, um. What's his face? Shit. Uh, Oda Nobunaga is like an alien from the future, and he's that's a, how he, he dominates he, all of Japan. Ter- he's a Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> It's incredible. Yeah, it rules. But that's the thing. That's the thing, right? You know, it has that. It has that idea. Like, you know, these are. It's an alternate history, shall we say? <laughs> yes. It, it, yes. It, it is Def- logically possible in a different timeline. It, it is. It's, I have it's, to believe. It's it. a terrible show. Don't get me wrong. No, it's great. But I don't think I <laughs> silence. I don't think there's a problem necessarily. You know, with uh, doing something like that. But like I say. If you're going to say at that particular time, in that particular area, and start including things that did genuinely happen, or that groups of people or individuals were known to do, have it serve a purpose. I mean, Eric's Eric's inclusion in this story, for example, is, you know, to start seeding the idea of Finland in Thorfinn's head. That's why he's here. Not simply just because he went to Finland. Like, at the moment, it's just an idea, conceptually, to the characters. It's not a place any of them, apart from um, Eric, have ever been to. Oh, sorry, Leif Erikson, sorry, I'm getting his name mixed up. God, I'm doing it again. So, yeah, just okay. just something to bear in mind when you look at these kinds of works. Like, just try and interrogate the work for why it's including certain elements that were historically accurate or authentic. Like, is it to serve the story's purpose, or is it just because that was the thing? Or it could even be because it's been there because, well, it appeals to certain audiences, unfortunately. You know... How do you spell... Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go on. No, 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 it's totally unrelated. You you please continue. Okay. But I mean, like, that's like when you see in, like, a lot of Isakai, for example, that's set in, like, alternate retellings of history, like, they start including slavery and stuff like that, because it acts more as an excuse. Like, oh, this was a thing that yeah. happened at the time. And, like, I don't give a shit. 
Right. I don't give two flying fucks if that's what actually happened back then. I want you to justify its existence for your story, first and foremost. Annoyingly, I can't actually go into detail on why this is relevant to four <laughs> to fours uh, just yet, because it comes more pronounced in episode two when we learn more of his history. Um, but this is a teaser. Yeah, we call it a teaser in the radio yeah. business. But um, there is certainly, you know, certainly something to keep in mind. Anyway, you were saying about spelling. No, I was just wondering how to spell Leif Erikson's last name because <laughs> I'm doing a poll. Oh <laughs> I man. I'm just gonna go with uh, with whatever is intuitive to me, and people will understand <laughs> what I mean. Um, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing a poll on uh, on Leif Erikson's drug habit. One second. <laughs> what was that? Sorry. Let me just tell you, Leif Erikson. Cool. Like, and I support this. I do support it. But boy, he was self medicating a lot. <laughs> he was on the pipe throughout the episode. <laughs> well, when you're dealing with kids, is that a surprise? I mean, I, no, <laughs> I can say as a dad, it's not a surprise <laughs> at all that you would turn oh, man. to I can't wait to see do- substances. I can't, I can't wait to see uh, Doc's Game Attack, you know, uh, 420 Blaze It. <laughs> God, no. No, no, four, no, four, no four, such four, numbers. 420 Raise It, the smoking parent. There you go. Yes, for sure. Um, well, I get so. Thank you for the like. I think that was all really good. Whoops, I knocked my microphone. Really good analysis and super relevant to why, like, like if anybody is mystified by why, you know, people are annoyed by, you know, certain things in one show versus another, you know, if if you're not kind of um thinking about things this way and you're just you see slavery in one show and slavery in another and you're like why aren't people consistently mad oh don't get me started both, you know what i mean so it's like these are the things that you need to think about well this um, is it because, Shadon summed it up really nicely well funnily enough like that's something i'll be covering in the shield hero episode because i have had people or rather i have seen people complain oh, people don't like it here but it's in other shows they like like asian voters prime i'm like congratulations you passed basic literary criticism like you literally wrote the first paragraph of your analysis of it congratulations you got anything more oh 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 what no no nothing more no oh well i'm sorry f minus see me after class anyway that's a discussion for a different time (laughs) the same element in two different contexts treated differently who does not um but okay so i guess my First talking point. I'm gonna. Uh, we'll talk about what Emily Gogo Atomic Robot has brought up in, in a minute. Um, I certainly have this down as a thing worth talking about. Um, I really appreciate about the show, especially on rewatch, like the real sense of place that it fosters in you. Um, like it really, it's such a well realized world. I mean, everything from. The fact that at the end of the episode she's crying under the aurora borealis, mm. to like the shoveling the snow off the roof, um, to like the the cold you know blizzardy nights, and well I just wanted to be I wanted to be in that room where Leaf is telling the story to all the young Viking children because like you see the snow outside it's horrible it's coming down. 
but inside just the way that they depicted everything the colors the sound design um you could just feel the warmth that house is a place you wanted to be you wanted to be smelling the smoke from his pipe and sitting by the fire and you know seeing his shadow uh bounce around as he tells like this this fantastical story mm-hmm. and man every, like all these little things that the show does for, like the milking the cows you know it, it just really like grounds the story in a way that i really can get into yeah and it makes me uh it it makes me buy into the story makes me buy into the characters and invest in it um man i just yeah i i can't say enough about the way the show fosters a real sense of place yeah it's it's so good and the thing is environment is key to this story as well um i again am really coming up against the walls of what I can talk about here without diving into episode 2 and getting into more detail because it ties into Thor's history and his decision making for what he, why he came to um, live in this village after the battle that we saw him in earlier um, but I, I must stress just keep it in your mind because obviously we've got the contrast of Vinland like a mysterious you know even fantastic place that people don't have never seen before apart from uh, Leif Erikson um, and then you've got the reality that they're currently faced with at the moment, which is just constant, you know, struggle and hardship. Environment is key. Yep. Um, totally. I don't really have much else I want to say right now, because again, I'm going to be bouncing up against the walls once, even though I've got, like, once episode two hits, I've... Oh, fuck. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> such, a, well, such a problem, this. But, um... Yeah. Well, I, I have I have more um, go. that we can talk go. about. Go, go. Um, bri- I think the briefest one I have is I just want to shout out Helga because she's great. Uh, I feel like it's easy to leave her behind when thinking about what the show's done so far. Mm. Um, and she has a lovely maternal presence. And, like, if, if you're not paying attention sometimes like she's doing things taking care of people in her family all the time she can't do a lot because she has a weak constitution and you know it, early on in the scene ilva says like let me do this for you mom i don't want you catching cold again you go to sleep um that's why she's doing a lot of the chores instead of her mom her mom spends a lot of time inside um and especially like when the slave comes in they think he's dead and ilva like immediately like with no prompting starts taking care of him starts like cleaning his feet like it's very tell- that's a job no one wants clean a dead man's feet it's very telling that she said that given that she previously said so casually oh why don't we get one i mean like like you know you go buy a dog yeah. from the store or you know why don't i get a new air conditioning unit that's the manner in which it was said, but immediately on a, on a dime, and that's not an inconsistent thing, by the way. We are only one episode in, so this is perfect time to establish that characters have shades and dimensions to them. That's good writing, mm-hmm. as it turns out. Uh, you know, yes. that, uh, she would be willing to do that. Um, so, there was this 
incredible juxtaposition. Um, I don't want to call it a montage because I feel like you need more things to cut between to officially call something a montage. But during the middle of the episode, there was a juxtaposition between uh, what they were doing with the slave in uh, Thor's Ziz. How do you do the possessive of Thor's? Is it th- just Thor's or Thor's? Is? The Thor's is uh, mis- the, the Thor residence. The Thor's residence. They were in the Thor. So the slave and the Thor's residence. Right? I just go. I just say uh, they're the same. Thor's and Thor's. <laughs> Thor's on the floors. Uh, Thor's residence. The slave on the one hand. And then, as you said, Leif uh, having a talk with Thorfinn. And they cut back and forth between them. Um, you know, what you have Leif telling Thorfinn, the, the way we got here is by running away. That was how we established our way of life. Cutting back to the slave yeah. who is running away from Halfdan has nowhere else to go but he he feels like he has there's to run. Your, there's your parallel um, that's something that is mm-hmm. established in this episode and again i would love to talk more about this but i have to keep my mouth shut until we do episode two god damn it i'm blaming <laughs> amazon for this again uh, so well, uh, well this is the way that i think that they ran it in japan too if i'm not mistaken they just i know what i said i know what i said damn you it's amazon's fault Yep. Okay. I'm. I'm gonna go with that story. Let's. Yep. I'm. I'm perfectly willing to do this. Um. And okay. More. Po- so during during that exchange with, um, Leaf and Thorfinn. The first time I watched it, like I was bowled over. At one point, when Thorfinn asks, like. If it's so horrible, like I don't, I'm gonna paraphrase because I think he talks about the cold. But basically, he's saying, "If life is so terrible here, why are we born here? Why do we live here?" And I feel like this could be, like, obviously he's just talking about Iceland and the Icelandic environment. But you could really blow this out in a way to, like, a full-blown existential question. Um, if you kind of see, depending on how you see kind of the human condition, do you see it as this, like, harsh state equivalent to an Icelandic winter that we're slogging through? You know, if it's so if it's so fucking hard, why are we born this way in the first place? Oh, man. Um, Again, I... I... This ties into what I want to talk about, but I can't do it. <laughs> oh, you know what? Shall, and... shall, we just, shall we just at least talk about why Thor's did it? And then I can talk more about this rather than hold off on it. Yes, yeah. sure. Uh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, let's, um, let's not cock seize on this one. Let's actually go all in on it. Okay. Okay, okay. So, we can we can just revisit it next week, too. Yeah, we can. We can. And there'll be stuff I probably missed. I've not rewatched really episode two, but basically, massive huge spoilers for something that technically is already out so I suppose it doesn't really count, whatever uh, basically Thor's had a change of heart mid-battle at the point where he drops his sword, which was, you know, not him literally dropping it because he, you know, fumbled it but like, because he was done he's done fighting he, he, he chose, you know, to not do it anymore, to live a different life yep so 
him coming to not uh, to, to Iceland is him leaving that life behind. Here's the problem, though. First off, uh, again, without going into specifics, as parallel to the slave, like the slave did the same thing. He wanted to leave his life behind and find somewhere better, or rather, to like even if it's not a question of you know environment being better, but at least the actual things he was doing would be better. Like, sure, he's in a hellish, frozen wasteland, but he's free. And the same applies to Forbes. But, but, first off, history has a way of finding you. And in some way, I think Forbes even recognises that as evidence at the end of episode one with the chest being there. After all, why have all those arms and armour if he didn't ever suspect he might need to use them? They're living in a remote village in the middle of nowhere. What are the odds of anything bad happening? And as it turns out, Falls, of course, talks his way for it, even, you know, willing to pay as much as necessary to preserve the peace rather than, you know, slaughtering them all as he did previously, which he could have done. He very easily could have probably mowed all of Halfdan's men down himself with his bare hands. But anyway, but I think what the anime is showing here through this is that slavery is not just simply, you know, the act of owning smells, but I think it's also what we impose on ourselves as well. Like, mm, it's a mm-hmm. question of, of, you know, do the, we, you know, we choose to break free of our context in terms of what life we live, but then we can end up shackling ourselves to an environment that also, you know, has its own pains that we are ultimately, you know, locked into. I mean, I would argue that Thor's in breaking free of living that life of war has only substituted one form of bondage for another, which is to live in this kind of exile in this wasteland. I guess, like, you could, he might say, well, I, well, I guess it depends on, like, how he joined the army, right? Like, if he was conscripted uh, and the choice was made for him versus choosing to live in this sort of like peaceful village you could say the difference between the two choices is i chose one and the other was forced upon me and so you could call them both a kind of bondage but one is better because it's what i chose to to bind myself to as opposed to having it forced on me but but we don't know at this point i mean he could have chosen to be part of the army as well he could have just loved fighting and then one day after such a long build-up of it, he didn't love it anymore and wanted to get out. Well, this out. is why I said before but, uh, that it was noteworthy that Falls just kind of works his way through the battle with such disinterest. It was already yep. leading up to that point where he was dead inside dealing with this. I mean, we will see plenty of other... Indeed, we'll see this in future episodes. Characters um, react to war and the prospects of it with great joy. Like, they think it's incredible. They've got this all like, I'm going to go to war, it's going to be cool, I'm going to plunder, I'm going to pillage, I'm going to kill me some people, it's going to be great. Yeah, um, like, yeah, yep, yep. Um, whereas the reality, of course, of war, as we all know, is that it's awful mm-hmm. and, and terrible. Um, but yeah, I think that it's a question of, you know, for Thorfinn, for, for like, for him, He's got the opposite problem now, where he feels he can't, you know, it, his bondage is his land that he lives in, rather than what he's doing with his life. Um, and I think that maybe the long-term goal of Vinland Saga as a story will be, to, or rather his objective will be, can he be free from both? Can he be free from the legacies of his father, perhaps, and, you know, of war and all that? 
and can he be free from this miserable place that he's stuck in now? Right. Is there? Because it's an idealized. Is there thing, like yeah. a? It's a, it's an idealized thing he's being told by um, Lee Erickson. It's a paradise, mm-hmm. even, I'd argue. I mean, what, it's a great valley. I mean, wasn't that the whole reason, after all, that the um, the colonial America was established in the first place to escape? From so pers- they from say, pers- yeah, perceived bonds, and you know, to truly yeah. live a free Taxes. life. Taxes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Um, like, is there is there a thing called freedom in this world? Mm-hmm. Yeah, might be a thing that the show wants to interrogate. Yeah, I mean the, the slave the slave gentleman, for example, he had barely been escaped for a day, and he was already found by half Dan. Like, yeah. the the past has an unfortunate way of catching up to you. And then that's the question: you know, can we escape the past if it, you know of, of the things we've done? Um, but now I really am going up against the grain of talking about episode 2 and beyond that so I'm going to keep stuck <laughs> but yeah, I think that maybe that's what's trying to interrogate the idea you know, that we can be uh, locked not only into bondage of responsibility and our actions and our past but just where we live as well like it's a hardship living there and I don't doubt for a second I mean Force himself was dreaming of Vinland at the very start of the episode so that suggests to me mm-hmm. at some level that he would if all possible rather be there than wherever he is right now. Indeed, he tells it to the slave, like, you know, tells him the story of Vinland as a comforting thing knowing that he is going to die. It's the send-off yep. that he needs. Yep. So he clearly sees value in it, even if he himself has never seen it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a, I guess a related point to the, the sort of, you know, does freedom really exist? Um, I guess taking a step even further back in terms of human problems, um, returning to the whole notion of why were we born in the first place if life is so hard, which, again, you could construe um, Thorfinn as asking Leif. And, like, like, how do we get away from... How do we how do we uh, escape whatever this situation is that we find ourselves existing in? And booze, you know. Well, yep, that's yep. There's chug, chug, distraction chug, chug, chug. is definitely good. Yep. <laughs> no booze for me today, by so, the way, folks. I'm uh, I'm still jabbering nonsense, but I can assure you, I am sober. <laughs> um, but we sh- I. I the the mead is coming though. You're gonna do a Vinland cast. Oh yes. Uh, drinking, s- taking s- some swills. I predict. Um, well, so like Leaf, Leaf has a has a particular answer to the question, right? Is like that circumstances like that? It's our. This is so shitty for us. And again, he's talking in particular, but I'm gonna make it more general and existential because that's what i enjoy doing um it's so shitty our circumstances uh in our exit because they were forced on us by an external force it's Harold's fault mm. right um the and and all we need to do what we did do is run away and we just need to keep running to get to like some kind of idyllic place where we can alleviate 
uh, or completely relieve ourselves of whatever our hardships and pains and struggles are, we have the power to do that. Um, just like whatever external agent has the power to enforce our shitty circumstances. Now, we have the power to and control to change them and leave and go to like somewhere beyond our original sort of state. And this is an answer. And boy, I am very curious to see if there are other answers, mm. right? And how to alleviate your the, the human condition. Yeah, how to how to cope, how to you know with uh, existence, pain, struggle, or whatever is is that the only? I, surely there will be other answers the show offers besides like just just run, um, and yeah. I'm super, super curious about that. And I loved that that came out of this juxtaposition mm. and the parallels that you talked about. Mm. Um, so I talked about, let's see, da, 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 the sense of place, warmth, safety. Mm. Okay. Uh, Thor's... Um, oh, no, no, no. Before I do the slavery thing, I want to talk about that last. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> That's something, something one says casually. Before we do the slavery thing, let's talk yeah. about the last <laughs> I'm sorry. So, so half down. Half done. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk about. Can't take that being serious. <laughs> Half damn. <laughs> um, do you re- let's talk about Mister you- Mister Half Dan. Do, do you reckon he's like Napoleon in that he you know always felt very embarrassed about how short he was? Although apparently Napoleon was not actually short; it was like five foot eight or something. So it's just a historical myth. But yeah, if I I oh wow, I didn't apparently know. Apparently so. Uh, although, like I say, with Half Dan, I just genuinely cannot imagine him being anything other than five foot two. And I really... He must be. I want to imagine, like, it's like one of those uh, Zucker Brothers airplane skits where it turns out, like, you've got, like, Half Dan and Fours, like, head-to-head, like, level, but then you pan <laughs> out and he's just stood on a box. <laughs> yeah. I can't yeah. take I him love seriously. That, uh, <laughs> I love that scene where he stands up, Doors does, and, like, towers over him. Mm-hmm. Um, as not only a greater in physical stature, stature, but moral stature, I would argue. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I was saying, um, in that scene, but half Dan. So, yeah, like I, I boy, you you describe him as uh, lawful evil. Oh, yes, which is an interesting characterization. I would agree. Like, as presented, as as instantiated in the character of half Dan whatever sort of his beliefs are the way he deploys them is brutal and evil and awful um i am curious about what you think about his idea that okay so are you familiar with um are you familiar with thomas hobbes and the leviathan i've heard of it but that's the extensive okay well this is gonna like be very. Uh, I'm trying to give like a the most basic breakdown of this book, which is not fun to read, but I have read the whole thing. Um, it's like a, a kind of a foundational like um, political text if you're studying political philosophy and like history of the early modern kinds of it. But basically, Hobbes is like sort of nature is shitty and awful, like. This is before Darwin, right? But and, and survival of the fittest. But you know, Hobbes was like, 
outside of civilization, if there was no such thing as civilization, human beings would be awful to each other. Like, we'd just be killing each other over... Uh, I think Hobbes might you know, never food, have understood what women. civilization actually is anyway, because I can think of plenty of civilizations over the centuries that have done all of those things, like they're filling in a bingo card. Woohoo! Yeah. I got genocide! Full house! <laughs> well, those are one civilization doing it to another, like one gang versus another gang. If there's no association, right, no civilizing, uh, no kind of ring around or national boundary or some kind of uh, arbitrary line of heritage that you can draw around a group of people, they'll just do it to each other. But if you can form a society, if you're like a part of it, um, then you'll be bound to like, to not do that. Like there'll be some kind of, you know, Hobbes talks about a sovereign and like a ruler and there will be uh, laws, rules, things that bind people, and that way everyone can get along. Mm. This is like early social contract theory, okay. right? Like the whole reason we all don't kill each other is because we're all deathly afraid of dying brutally, and so we all make an agreement to live together. And so it seems like Half Dan is kind of is kind of there. You know, Hardy says the only thing that makes, uh, he used the word heathen, but I think you could use like the word beast also. The only thing that makes a human being out of these beasts that we are is a law. And it's absolute and it binds everybody and everyone has to fucking follow the rules mm -hmm. or there will be chaos. And you could see how on the fucking fringe of, you know, Greenland, the, the the very harsh environment you might think okay everybody needs to be in line a hundred percent because whatever we have established here is fragile it could easily crumble if people are going in different directions or doing whatever they want so i guess like yeah where do you stand on like aside from the brutality like this is a very brutal kind of enforcement um, although Hobbes would be okay with brutal enforcement. Um, like, what's your take on kind of his his idea of law, society, all that stuff? Well, I think for him, like, it's a case of legitimacy trumps all else. Like, the fact that he is legal and prescribed and rule, you know, has set rules and, you know, ways of enacting things means it's okay. That's the thing that trumps that. It, it goes above morality and ethics for him. Like, that's why it's okay to own slaves. As long as, you know, there are rules, like, you know, the chains, you know, the fact that he belongs to me and therefore I want him right. back. Um, I think that's, like, Half Dan's, like, main measure. Like, I said lawfully before, and I think the lawful element is probably the strongest part of his character. Not to mm -hmm. say that you oh, not yeah. to say that he isn't evil, of course, in that sense. Uh, or rather, that he isn't, you know, incredibly twisted or just doesn't, like, you know, I mean, he does rip that guy's face half off with the chains. Holy crap. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. There's hair they in blurred it out for a there reason. <laughs> I know, that looked awful. It was hair. Awful. It was grim. <laughs> God. But, like, for, for uh, him, the law. It reminded me of Castlevania. Oof. God, you're right. <laughs> Whoops. I meant to get your finger. But anyway. Oh, right. <laughs> that scene was so brutal. Oh, dear. Anyway. Uh, any, anyway. Ooh. So, yeah, for him, law is everything. You, it doesn't yeah. matter what moral side it falls on, as long as it is prescribed in law 
and it is followed and there are rules. Like, if you're doing some heinous shit to someone, as long as it's justified by the rules that have been set out and agreed on by the, com by the public in common law, go nuts. Why not? And that even then just goes from beyond simple law to social, like, contracts between, or, like, social understanding between him and his fellows. Like, oh, he's got that underling who starts mouthing off, and he's like, no. I'm talking here. Shut your fucking mouth. Yeah. Or, you know, when the guy starts giving Thor's crap in the in his house, says, no, I'm doing the talking here. Leave it with me. And it's not him, and I should stress, it's not him doing that to, like, you know, be chest puffy, like, I am in charge here. It's just to him a very clear pecking order. You know, he's the one in charge. He doesn't need anyone to speak for him. Well, not because he's trying to prove himself as the big bad, but because that's the rule of law to him. That's the way things should be. But that's the thing, you know. Um, Thor's, like, on the other hand, like, the Lord's, like, he'll operate within that to try and get things done in order to, you know, save this slave's life. He won't just kill half down there and then. But for him, clearly he places morality on the on a higher level than more, because otherwise he would just simply give him back. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, yeah, um, yeah, half down, I feel like, you know, whatever the rule set or, or law set or contract is, like, that is ethics. Like, there's no, like, that is the line. There is no line that but that which the law that we agree to can come closer to or be farther away than. It's entirely subjective. Whatever we agree to is the good or the bad. Yeah. Versus, like, like you said, Thor's, and I happen to be more sympathetic to Thor's here, seems to hold that, like, no there are actually like it, just because you came up with these laws doesn't mean that they're good there's some sort of other uh canon or metric or measure by which we can decide whether or not these laws are good or bad and the the methods by which you enforce them are in fact bad yeah so there's like goodness and badness over and above these laws so like i this is like a thing that i think is interesting those two ideologies yeah well um, this will be relevant i suspect later again again some wild random speculation here but <laughs> part of the part of the idea of settling or going to a frontier that you've never been to before is that you obviously have to establish a lot of things from the ground up including the laws of the land this after all did happen with america eventually when it you know was formed and then eventually became independent you know they had their own laws same with every same with a lot of other countries so I wonder if Halfdan will make a return later in Binland itself when we eventually get there, and if he in turn will, you know, be a bit flustered by the fact that, you know, there is no rule of law necessarily properly established yet, things are happening on a moment-by-moment -moment basis. Um, for someone like him who is very controlling in that way, that's probably anathema to him. I will I yeah. will say, just to boil, bring things down to a bit of a simpler critique here, one of the things I really appreciate about Halfdan as a character is that he does not come in and do the immensely cliched thing of burn the fucking village down on the first night. He comes and goes, right. and there's no sudden betrayal. There's no sudden turnaround. Like you know, okay, I've got the I've got the sheep. Kill them all. Like he doesn't. Thank God, he doesn't, he's he doesn't, like consistent. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't even openly threaten violence. Really, no. Uh, it's yep. more of an understanding that Force has with uh, Eric 
um, when they're discussing, uh, you know, it's not Eric, sorry, with um, with Ilda. Leave. Yeah, with Ilda. <laughs> oh, no, no, sorry. With Ilda, like, <laughs> it's more of an understanding they yeah. have that it can come to that in the theory if he doesn't provide him what he wants. So I really, I really again appreciate that. He's certainly far more interesting than your typical opening uh, antagonist. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to seeing more of him later. Um, one, yeah, I wonder if he will come back. That'll be interesting to see. One thing I should stress, by the way, though, that I do find funny is this relates back to something I was thinking about Shield Hero in that, you know, if you want to make the justification that because the law says it's good to do, the problem is, is that law, like the, the law of the land is always mutable. It's always decided by people. It's not a divine edict. It doesn't come down from the heavens, despite what the Bible may tell you. And even then, often a lot of laws these days go against what, like, holy text might say. Like, so we decide, you know, what our laws are, and they do change over time. There's no, mm-hmm. like, you know, absolute law, like, of what's right and wrong. That's something we have to figure out as our morality changes. So, I'm curious, like, if that'll become a part of, like, what happens with Half Dead later, where Saul points out, you're wrong. The rules didn't exist necessarily before you came along, or if they, or whoever came up with them, you know, they weren't there beforehand. Who's to say they'll be there when you're gone? Like, you know, you can't constantly think of things like, you know, as being, you know, set in stone. Uh, and also, just as another point, yeah. again, just because it's the law doesn't make it morally right. Like, hey, it might be it in, might it right. might be legal for half dance to own slaves. Does that make it fine? Nope. Yeah. Not at all. This is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah this is the conflict. I mean, mm-hmm. in modern day, for example, if you think this is an old hat thing in Brunei, I believe it's called. Uh, it was recently legalized for gay men to be stoned to death. That's legal. Like you could, really? Yes, I believe so. I could be misquoting oh that. Oh my god! But that's the thing. It's in the law says that that can be done. Uh, I think there's been some revisions to it since then, but that was the original like draft of the script. Uh, so, as far so as far as I'm concerned, like you know, legality doesn't trump that. You know, it doesn't trump just actually genuinely giving a shit about people. So he is still very much the billionaire, even though he seems very reasonable with how he's coming about. But if anything, I think he serves also more as foreshadowing, because obviously we're paralleling the slave to Fors here. So what then ha- you think might happen to Fors next time if the slave has just had a pursuit, had made, you know, made of him across, you know, the ocean and whatnot? Things aren't going to end well. I mean... Obviously, you know, poor, poor Thorfinn, you know, his uncle Owen and his aunt Brewer are going to be yeah. murdered by stormtroopers, and he's going to get taken away by some strange old coot in the <laughs> desert, he's going to learn the, the ways of the Force. It's all going to be very terrible and tragic. Sorry. <laughs> we, we got another reference in. Had to be done. Oh, so happy. Um, so... I think we we have like kind of uh, talked a bit about what we think about um, what Thor's you know when, when he bartered for the life of the slave like what was going on there um, and uh, Emily in chat Gogo Atomic Robot made the point that um, you know she felt like you could infer from thor's actions that he was conscripted into the army um because uh or do you call the navy 
I would call it the Navy. When it's Vikings. Because, um, I mean, they're like, yeah. Well, <laughs> na- naval soldiers I guess still the... can fight on land, but the, the, like, yeah. the difference between the Navy and, say, the Army and the Air Force is their, mode of tra- their primary mode of transport, their theater of operations. Mm-hmm. And for the Vikings, it was, the, you know, the Navy. Yeah, so the Navy. Sea. So, yeah, I say the Navy. So she w- she thought it was reasonable to infer that he was conscripted into the Navy be- because of how highly he values uh, freedom. Um, and, you know, as, as you said, he traded eight, eight sheep for a life of a person who he didn't know, mm-hmm. um, for the freedom of a person he didn't know who was at death's door and died shortly thereafter. Whoops. Um... God, I, I hope he... I hope Falls never gets into Gatcha. <laughs> That's so wrong. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like this is a good. I've brought this up before, but um, this is like a good illustration of um why he's going to come into conflict with people like Halfdan, um, and people like Floki, uh, later. Mm-hmm. Because, like, he is obviously a deontologist when it comes to ethics and not a utilitarian. Um, You know, clearly uh, the needs of his family are more numerous. He could could make more people happy uh, and do good for more people by simply giving the man back to Halfdan. And because his family will get to keep the sheep... Mm -hmm. Half Dan will get to uh, have his own way, and like he'll be made happy by the example he can show to the people. And I, of course, yeah, the be- slave will suffer. Well, the, thing- the slave will suffer deeply, but like I wouldn't even say again, would the utilitarian because, because if you consider how events played out, do you really think that ha- oh, he might die on the way back? Oh, he would have. I feel ninety nine percent certain that have happened. So as it turns out, had he given him back, it wouldn't really have mattered anyway. Although I'll tell you why he didn't give him back as well because. Bear in mind him leaving off of that thing about Vinland, you know, telling him about where they are, or, or you know, giving the fake uh, idea that they're in Vinland, which is, you know, this promised land. But here's the mm-hmm. thing, right? That's him seeing, you know, knowing he's going to die and seeing him off. If Halfdan then came in and then took him, then that would be ruined. Right. <laughs> it would. Uh that that is true but i feel like even setting that aside as a factor um over and above that i feel like rather than kind of be a utilitarian and like a happiness calculator he's willing to do something that he feels like he's morally bound to do he feels duty bound to protect this person's freedom obligated Mm -hmm. um despite the fact that it is going to make more people suffer than it does good. That doesn't matter. That doesn't, that kind of calculus does not come and into play. Bear in mind, him. his daughter was asking um, before to buy it when he said, that's not what we, what we do, but then he chooses to do so. This exactly. Time. But not because he wants it for the utility that one would provide, but rather because it's mm-hmm. the morally thing, right thing to do to spare this man, even just his last few hours, you know, living that fantasy of, you know, going off into the sunset rather than, be, you know, having half down, probably beating him to death on the way back as it would turn out. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
and that's a really cool thing about Thor's, and I wonder if it will be part of how he meets his end, and I wonder if then, like, Thorfinn will have to respond to it in some way, mm-hmm. like, kind of maybe rebel against it and then kind of come over to it and see the beauty of living by those kind of um, moral principles and absolute duties, or whether he'll reject it and kind of find a different way. It'll be interesting to see. Well, that's it. Like, can he, can Thorfinn escape his own past, like, eventually when this all goes down? I mean, Yopi makes it clear mm-hmm. he's got a lot of growing up to do before he starts pretending he's a Dungeons and Dragons rogue with, you know, those two daggers. <laughs> the rogue, right. That's what he is. Yes. Um, but he's got mm-hmm. a lot of growing up to do before he gets to that point, and the specter of his father's going to hang over him in a lot of ways. Like, you know, yeah. here's who he was as a warrior, but here's who he tried to be as a father with the guiding principles he tried to give him, which are clearly very different things. After all, Thor doesn't actually fight or kill anyone in the episode apart from in that flashback uh, to the battle. So, hey. Right. Yeah. No, it's true. Um, okay. Uh, I think I have exhausted my I'm good. talking points. I'm, I'm said everything because, I need to. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about Jormungand. We talked about... Uh, there was a thing... Uh, like The first time I watched it, I was a little... Um, weirded out, I guess, or or unconvinced by because I wasn't absorbing everything properly. Um, Thor's desertion, like the first time I watched it, I just sort of felt like, oh, like that one guy was like Maria, and then collapsed, and then he was like, well, I'm out. We're actually killing people. I'm not about this life. See you later. <laughs> but like you know on reflection kind of recontextualizing that opening scene and also knowing what i knew after watching the other episodes it's like no as you said shadon there's a sense of him growing disillusioned with that life mm-hmm. over time and this is just the breaking point so yeah no i'm ready to rate the episode now all right uh i'll go first ashley duck um but yeah like we have a very, very strong start to this, uh, this show here. It's clearly got a lot of ideas being set up. We've got a lot of nice, you know, character build up here for Thor's and Thorfinn. And I think that it actually plays the... I I mean, you could argue, you know, you've seen this set up a thousand times before. I made the Star Wars joke. And like a lot of the times when I make jokes referencing that property or others on here, I do it for humor, but I do it because there's a grain of truth in the comparison. I mean, it's not reasonable for the savvy viewers to think to themselves... Thor's, uh, and probably his daughter, uh, Ilva and Helga, they're all going to die. Thorfinn's going to end up, you know, going his own way. He's going to, you can see, you can predict that's going to happen in some respects. But I think the script actually plays that to its own strengths. It takes that otherwise, you know, predictable element of it and turns it into a, into a, a good thing, especially with what happens with half dance a lot of expectation there. Um, mm-hmm. So, all told, this has been a very, very solid start. Uh, the animation is perfectly fine. It looks a good-looking show. Um, the character stuff is strong. And I am very eager to see where it goes from here. Uh, put me down for more Vinland size. So, all told, I'm going to go with uh, four out of five, uh, you know, smoke weed every day Vinland pipes. <laughs> okay, that was good. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I think... Uh... 
it was super strong. Um, I appreciate the, as I said, the sense of place that the show established. Uh, the the milieu and the, the milieu. The oh my, um, we really are getting yeah. the boasts there, yeah. aren't we? The, the mise en scene. Uh, no, I. The, the, mm, I could smell the I mean, sea I mean, air and the I mean, cold. we said we were going to gain a Patreon going, but did we tell you we were sponsored by Merriam-Webster? <laughs> That's right. Um, so, uh, thank you, Miriam, in particular. <laughs> Webster, you can go for it. <laughs> uh, no. Because um, it used to be, do you remember when it was just Webster? Was it just Webster's Dictionary? And then it became Merriam-Webster? I feel not, like that was a thing. Not a clue. Not a clue. Okay. Check on that. Check on that, uh, listeners slash viewers. Um... And how about Roger? Can we just, can we bring out Roger? Just be like, Roger, come on. Did you ever have a Roger's thesaurus? No. <laughs> or did you just say Roget? No, I was just, I it was, thought it was nah, Roger. Bear in mind, I, all, I'm, I'm from the UK, so we, it was basically Collins all the way. Collins English Dictionary, bitches. Oh, okay, cool. Um, that's an interesting tidbit to know. Um, so, well, where was I? Yes, Finland Saga, the world. The milieu. Uh, it was great. I. I do you uh, do you whisper that to your wife's ear? <laughs> milieu. What? Do you whisper that to your wife's ear? Milieu. I do. It's a milieu. Milieu. Pohom pohom. Um, it's a fucking fragrance. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no, rate rate the damn episode already before I go off on um. one. <laughs> so like, um, I I like. There, you know, you brought up uh, Leiji Matsumoto character. There was a thing that reminded me thematically of Matsumoto. Like, there's a certain, and of course, it's played out differently in in Matsumoto's work because it's you know space fantasy. But there's a certain sort of um, brutality to the world, but there's also a strong moral undercurrent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like Vinland Saga really does have a, a very strong moral point of view and it's got the attention to historical detail. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff to look up. Um, I, I like all the art design. I'm not as keen on the color palette, but I mean, what are you going to do? This is not, um, you know, fantasy Tokyo uh, via Ikuhara. Uh, you know, this is uh, what it is and uh, it looks a little bit like Attack on Titanish, but again, that is like true to the world they did all right with uh Thorfinn's um dream though giving it the suitable childlike qualities needed to particularly oh particularly yeah, the way yeah there was with, some color with, with displayed with how it displayed um Jormungandr. so that was there mm-hmm. yes but, that too I mean, yeah on another note can i just say how refreshing it is to have an anime that comes around the gate by saying slavery bad that feels like that feels like some fucking innovative shit <laughs> You wouldn't think that would be a difficult bar to, to clear. But no, the low twenty nineteen lowest of bars. <laughs> truly, I'll get I'll get yeah. a stamp for that something so I can put it on there. Like slavery bad as per this as per this show. Again, <laughs> fucking really. Do we have to have this conversation, folks? Just saying. Uh, I'm I uh, I know. Um, I'm going to give this episode. Uh, it was uh, definitely an appetizing first plate uh, also put me down for more great introduction uh, I'm going to give it uh, 4.25 uh, Northern Lights 
out of Good five. Good shout. Good shout. Right, so that concludes our look at episode one uh, somewhere out here. So you, you, that is probably how you're all feeling now about our podcast. Like, I'm done now. We've had it. We've had two hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I keep, I keep tying it back all the time. Yeah. I'm just too good at this. Uh, but anyway, thank you all again, everyone, for joining us today on Vinland Saga. I really appreciate all coming along and having us. Enjoying us uh, having a good old banter about this particular show. I'm really looking forward to covering more of it. Uh, do, as always... Sophie, don't don't hurt my heart, Sophie. God, you're so right. I'm sorry, Shadon. Sophie's so correct, sorry. though. Like, Sophie every time, just caught every, me off Every guard. time I hear someone say that something isn't political, I think it just basically says to me, I don't like to think. Thinking's hard. I don't like to think. Thinking's hard. Yeah, I do forget that twice to live God, don't put poli- everything's political. Deal with it. Anyway, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, thank you everyone for joining us. Uh, do feel free to like and subscribe on whatever uh, form you may be listening to. If you're on SoundCloud, drop us a like there. If you're on iTunes, please leave us a rating and a quick review. It will help our mm-hmm. discoverability. If you're on YouTube and you're listening to this and you're not already subscribed to us, please feel free to drop us a subscribe on there. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, we do, of course, have our Patreon now, so do check that out. Uh, that would be patreon.com. I think it's forward slash worry show. Is it that? That is, that is yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we will have more content coming soon. I'm actually looking to get the Shield Hero stuff done within the next two weeks. So uh, get on board for that soon, because boy howdy, do I have a lot to say about that. Uh, Doc's already <laughs> read some of the scripts. Uh, I'm not even probably yep. halfway done with it necessarily yet. Oh my god! <laughs> okay. Ooh, it was already the, getting the, long, the, but that's the, great. There's a lot to unpack in that giant whale turd that is that show. Uh, believe me. Fair enough. Believe me. Uh, but yeah, we'll be having more content coming out on the Patreon side of things soon. Um, we will be back next week to cover episode two, um, and then episode three the following week after that, and then at that point we'll let the show play out. Uh, as always, though, thank you very much, everyone, for joining us this evening. Uh, I have been Shaden. Uh, that has been some Burke who joins me on the podcast area again, who I've never met before in my life. No, of course, it's dark. Uh, I hope you all have a fantastic evening, and as always, everyone, brace your breath. So the ends of the universe. Good night. Good night, everybody. Mm-hmm.